0: Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, and culture. On a weekly basis, hosts Ann Donahoe and Lewis Goldberg of KCSA Strategic Communications speak with the CEOs, financial experts, cultural icons, legislators, and generally interesting people moving the cannabis industry forward. Today, Lewis and Ann are speaking with Justin Zaremba, the lead reporter for NJ Cannabis Insider for NJ Advanced Media. His work is seen throughout the state through sites like NJ.com and The Star Ledger. He is the cannabis reporter in New Jersey. Nothing happens in the state capital of Trenton without him knowing it. Don't sit back, lean forward, as this one is particularly well-timed. Now on to our interview with reporter Justin Zaremba. Annie?
1: I don't respond to
0: that. Would you rather me call you Anahoe? No. I would never do that in public.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because Annie is another colleague we have here, That's so tr- I don't want to confuse anybody.
0: I don't think anybody's confusing the two of you. She, You're on the podcast, and she's not.
2: She
1: has been on the podcast.
0: She has been on the podcast, and she was really nervous the first time she did. It was really funny.
1: She'll be back. Um, so I'm super excited for this episode. I've been working with this reporter I think since the, since uh, his publication, NJ Cannabis Insider started, um, it's Justin Zaremba. Uh, He, it was his brainchild pretty much um, uh, of, of understanding that cannabis was such a big issue in New Jersey. It deserved its very own trade publication. So it sits within the NJ.com and advanced media family. So if you're in New Jersey and you're reading like the Star Ledger or going to log on to NJ.com to see if your school is, Closed in the summer storm, I mean the winter storm. Or um, summer storm, you know. It's or like, summer storm, like who NCAA, knows.
0: NCAA, no class at There's
1: all. just so much sunshine out here in L.A. Um, you know, so it's a great publication. Uh, it's a subscription service, so um, we are always advocating for people to pay for journalism. So um, I'm really looking forward to our talk with him today.
0: As am I, since both of us, if, if, if our dear listeners didn't know this, we are both... Native New Jerseyans through and through. Um,
1: I got called out for my accent this weekend, which I really don't think I have one. You don't have an accent for New Jersey, you definitely didn't didn't think so either. But someone was like, Are you from New York? I'm like, No, and did you then Jersey, baby? That's right,
0: Jersey strong, yeah. Um, I went to Rutgers. Where'd you go?
1: Uh, I, uh, uh, University of Massachusetts for two years. And then I graduated from Monmouth university in New Jersey, fly Hawks. Oh, really
0: fly Hawks. Okay. Um, really Scarlet Knights. Yeah. Yeah. How'd you do in the NCAA tournament? Oh, wait, we didn't, oh. we didn't make it. We, oh. don't, we haven't made it since 1991 when I was in school. So you, you can't zing me. I root for the Mets. I root for the jets and I root for Rutgers. I don't know how to root for a team that wins it's okay um so i also am looking forward to this conversation i have been trying to get coffee with justin for almost a year um maybe this will actually incentivize him to want to sit down and meet me face to face or maybe not cbd
1: infused coffee uh
0: not at the place that i want to take him so no um but this is you know the the way to really get into what's going on in the inner workings of Trenton. I mean, he knows where the bodies are buried. Um, and and my favorite thing about Trenton is the sign that says, "Trenton makes and the world takes."
1: <laughs> Trenton, the capital of New Jersey. Yes. Fun fact. All right. For, are we ready? Let's let's get onto the
0: conversation with Justin.
1: Let's do it. Um, so thanks for being here, Justin. We're so excited to talk with you today. Um, I think it's really timely that we're having you on the pod right now. Can you walk our listeners through what the cannabis laws in New Jersey look like right at this moment at on April 1st at 1 p.m. Pacific time? And no April Fool's jokes here.
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely no April Fool's jokes. I mean, that, that was already played on, on folks last uh, last week uh, when the, uh, the vote got pulled from committee. But so to give everyone a background, uh, New Jersey has been going through the process of uh, a bill package that en- en- encompasses a, a medical uh, marijuana expansion, uh, a, a, an adult use program, and expungements. And... It was looking like there might have been enough uh, there. There might have been enough votes uh, to get it there in the Senate, but they pulled it back because apparently they didn't. Um, so that ended up getting walked back last week, and now we're currently waiting with bated breath to see what exactly is going to happen in Trenton, um, because as our, as it stands right now, we have a very limited medical uh, uh, medical program in New Jersey, and by the report. That came out today uh, from the the Department of Health's program. They they indicated that New Jersey, as we expected, is woefully uh, underserving uh, its patients. It does not have the the adequate supply to meet the demand uh, uh, that would be needed to uh, meet even like the the average needs of a consumer here uh, a, or of a medical patient. So r- right now we have these this bill packages that uh, legislators are currently trying to hash out. Uh, and, and figure out. Um, but we can get more into more specifics on that in a bit.
0: Well, we're going to get into it now. I mean, when, when, when Governor Murphy was elected, he ran on the first 100 days. He said, I will sign a bill in the first 100 days. And we are a little bit past that right now. Um,
2: Just to clarify that that one bit, because that's something that we have debated about in the newsroom. He he didn't going back and actually trying to find evidence of him saying this. We haven't been able to do it, and I don't think anybody has. From from everything that we've been able to recollect on that, it was St- Steve Sweeney who had said something about that, and Murphy Murphy kind of uh, made a, a positive affirmation about that, and that's. What everybody has tied that to, but regardless, they they did end up tying themselves to that hundred day pledge, which Cuomo also did, which which was another another blunder. Uh, but that, well, you know, those are sorts of unforced errors that people make.
0: Is Governor Murphy over his head? I mean, is this such a a fraught issue that he just didn't realize where he was going to get resistance from? I mean, you know, can you take us a little bit? Take us through the sausage making
2: here. Sure. I mean, there. So, you know, when, when we look at the triumvirate that currently uh, controls uh, the New Jersey power structure, uh, we have Governor Murphy in the executive branch and then you have uh, it, it, over the Assembly Speaker uh, Craig Kaufman and Senate President Steve Sweeney. And Sweeney, he is a longtime political player and being in the Senate, he knows what the the machinery is to get things done. He had a very good working relationship with Governor Christie, and um, Governor Christie, who was also well known to be able to get get votes from across the aisle, also able to make deals and do arm twisting. Murphy has not really shown us to have that same sort of political back dealing, and especially not sort of the. He's been uh, very much tried tried to uh, distance himself from transactional politics. Uh, so there's uh, definitely been some. Some pushback, especially from folks in the industry, as to whether or not uh, Murphy and Sweeney had been doing enough uh, in in the lead up to the vote. Uh, these, and by the way, to further complicate the matters, the uh, relationship between Governor Murphy and uh, Senate President Sweeney. What as, as last year they they had a very tenuous working relationship, if that. Uh, there were times when they were reportedly not speaking. Uh, but since then, and, uh, and as we saw when they ended up pulling the committee vote, nobody got thrown under the bus.
1: Yeah, they're really trying to keep it, you know, to tamp down that kind of belief that they don't get along, right?
2: Well, mo- most definitely. and But they also had kind of a kumbaya. I've been calling it a kumbaya moment nice. uh, just because the everybody, nobody's looking to rock the boat and actually – it was Sweeney who ate a little bit of crow when, when he ended up saying, "I, I underestimated what it was going to take to, to do this vote." Um, they, they had actually ended up complimenting each other, which is also another rarity. Uh, with Murphy you know, supposedly getting out there and uh, trying to drum up some votes, while Sweeney, from what we've heard, has been had been reluctant to use his political capital to necessarily get the votes he needed uh, uh, at that time, partly because uh, the budget session is coming very soon and he's probably going to be using it for that so it's you know a complex and dynamic situation uh, to be sure
0: there were reports last week and there was rumblings and there was a lot of of rumor that the reason why the bill collapsed at the last minute had to do with expungement and social equity social justice can you talk about what you were hearing and is that right
2: yes uh so from from everything we we've heard and reported upon uh it seems that the the inclusion of language uh, expanding on expungements to third degree crimes that was that became a real sticking point and made quite a, a few legislators uneasy.
0: What what what's a third degree crime?
2: So to to be clear, the expo- uh everybody beforehand had been kind of talking about just possession charges, uh, expunging just limiting it to ex- uh, possession charges in people started getting a bit hinky and worried about when you expand it out to uh, distribution. So the way that the New Jersey uh, law is currently with regard to uh, uh, possession and distribution, the law sets uh, under 50 grams uh, of possession as a disorderly person's crime. Over 50 grams possession is a fourth degree crime. Now, when you get to the uh, distribution side it's either dis- distribution of under uh, under one ounce and then the next which is a fourth degree crime and then the next level up which is a third degree crime is distribution of between uh, of over one ounce to up to five pounds now putting aside the the issues that we have of using both the customary and the metric systems uh, in comparable in in, in uh, Uh, related laws it it creates this really kind of weird overlap um you know it's a way for uh usually for prosecutors to do a plea bargain for some some folks and probably not others um i I don't want to suggest anything else there but there you know that is something that has been used in the past for you know certain certain sorts of defendants that if you have let's say um just to just clear that, so 50, 50 grams is over an ounce. Um, it's about one point eight ounces there. So if, if somebody had about one and a half ounces, well, and let's say that they were actually selling it, well, if they were making a deal with a prosecutor, then they might only get end up charged with the fourth degree uh, criminal uh, criminal offense. So, what made every all the legislators uh, legislators very very nervous though was that five pound language because that's just the way that the law is. If you're looking to encompass folks that are that served in that middle that middle area, uh, that five pound language really concerned them. But it's you know good to it's good to emphasize the fact that the only expungements that would be issued would be specifically for related to cannabis. So usually if somebody was like a serious narco uh they and let's say they were you know for example he used violence in the crime or yeah uh, also had uh uh guns illegal weapons involved none of those charges would be would be expunged just you know, uh, through the application process so wait
0: i just just let me get this clear i am a you know uh in south orange i i worked i was at you know, uh, Seton Hall, and I was a big distributor, and I was distributing f- five pounds a week, right? That's, and I had a gun, um, so the gun crime wouldn't be expunged, but the distribution crime would be expunged. Is that how it works?
2: Con- conceivably, if you went through the process, it, there's there's a quite a few boxes you'd have to check off. If you'd been, uh, you'd have to be, uh, if there's like a certain amount of time that had elapsed since since you're, you know, the, you'd been convicted of the crime or served your time, um, there's, you know, that, that's part of the, the, the complicated process that is going to be the, the expungement process in New Jersey. It's, they're, they're trying to, you know, do a few things in this, besides the social justice elements, it's also going to force a modernization of the court-keeping systems that we have uh, and, and the law enforcement systems. Uh, Because just generally, a lot of this is going to have to, a lot of various departments are going to end up having to go to digital in order to be able to accommodate uh, some of these processes.
1: In addition to some of the expungement issues, your colleague um, at NJ Cannabis Insider, uh, Peyton Guyon, reported that there may have been a generational gap here uh, with some of the legislators, and that Murphy really wasn't given enough time to to whip the votes and and really educate those um, who may either have been reticent or have misconceptions about you know what this would mean. Do you think if given more time, um, this would have worked? If or if they weren't kind of painted into a corner here
2: i i think you know if had murphy and sweeney started working about a week before they started really dialing up efforts that could have done it but you to speak to the generational side that's something that we've known for for quite some time Uh, there are certain legislators that are never going to get on board with this uh despite being democrats in particular ron rice and dick cody um
0: I just don't get it. I mean, Ron Rice lives in an, in a, in a community that has been so negatively impacted by this. I, I it's, it's, it just doesn't make any sense to me.
2: Well, uh, I, I, in some ways I can, un, I, I can understand where he's coming from. He's former law enforcement himself and he, he lived and worked in Newark during the, the rough and tumble uh, 70s. And when it was, you know, quite, quite a vicious place and a lot of, a lot of drugs were being pumped into the inner cities at, at, at that point, especially during the, the, the era of the Vietnam War. So I can see why he has a, a definite suspicion about some of, some of this. But the, the extent of uh, trying to proclaim that the sky is going to be falling just really doesn't bear any water to, from, from what we've seen in other you know, comparable marketplaces.
0: The, the issue of social equity is one that is also important here, you know, making sure that the communities that have been most negatively impacted by the, the war on drugs have access to capital. Can you talk about the the legislation as it stands, as it as it addresses this? Does it go far enough? Does it not go far enough?
2: I mean, the way that New Jersey's current licensing system is there, you know, quite a few advocates have, have you know, expressed concerns about the is it, you know, being set up in a way that's more advantageous to folks with big checkbooks and greater access to capital? I mean, the. You mean people who
0: live in my town?
2: Yes. People who live in your town or people, uh, honestly, well, well, you know, former Wall Street people, one of the things that we've seen and one of the frequent criticisms of the, of the cannabis industry is the number of ex-Wall Street folks that have flocked there, people who have who have access to a lot of capital and may only be paying lip service to the social justice aspects of it. Uh, so there's concern, especially if you look at you know New Jersey. You know New Jersey's you know current system is overwhelmingly white. Even the, the, the current uh, uh, the current ATC operators and the recent licensees overwhelmingly we we have a disproportionate number uh, of folks who uh, who have the pale complexion that I have. i haven't met you yet i don't
0: i don't know how pale you actually are
2: i'm extremely white so
1: (laughs) the um glad we cleared all that up um so ATCs just for people who aren't so savvy to the new jersey market those are called alternative care centers right and that's the alternative treatment treatment centers uh, treatment centers okay so that's the the what we basically called a, a medical dispensary for the state of new jersey right
2: Right. And in in New Jersey, as they are right now, they're all vertically integrated, uh, which has been another another frequent criticism, just because the we have the the way that New Jersey's current system medical program is, is we have only six uh, nonprofit uh, ATCs open at this point. But uh, last year, uh, at the end of last year, they ended up awarding licensing to an additional six uh, licensees all of whom are multi-state operators, uh, either they're either operating in, um, several states in, in the U S or, or associated territories of the U S. And one, one of whom is actually uh, now a multinational because it operates both in Canada and in, uh, the U S that's TerraSend, which has the majority ownership of, uh, NIDA.
1: Full disclosure. Some of those guys are our clients. (laughs) Um, and the not the nonprofit status is a weird thing too. Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, that's part of the. So when the uh, the Compassionate Use of Medical Marijuana Act was passed back uh, in 2007, uh, the, one of the requirements for that was that the uh, dispensaries would have would have to maintain a nonprofit status, uh, which is constrain them and, and their ability to to grow to scale to uh, have access to capital uh, so it's and, and you know which has ended up underserving patients I mean for the longest time we only had about five of five of the six uh, potential uh, dispensaries operating It took quite a while for uh, harmony over in Secaucus to get online.
0: Have you visited all all six? I
2: have been, I have not been to all six I've been to, I've been to about four of them.
0: So I am a patient in New Jersey, um, and I'm associated with the the one in Montclair. I can't. Get, yeah, I can't get a an appointment. It is the most absurd. You can't
1: just walk in. You have to get an appointment.
0: You have to have an intake appointment to start as a patient, and and you know, I definitely have anxiety and I have chronic pain and would like to be able to, to, to take advantage of this. And it really drives, it drives me absolutely nuts that you can't just walk in like you can in, in other States, you know, it, it is, it just doesn't make sense to me.
2: One of the frequent criticisms that we, that we've uh, received uh, with respect to the, the current medical program is the, either the supply issues that folks end up having to deal with or the uh, the, the lack of, you know, basically, just the general problems when it comes to the lack of patient access. Uh, and, and that's actually one of the things that came out in today's uh, uh, report on the medical uh, marijuana program in New Jersey, is that the, the state is aware that it is not serving patients uh, as well as it should be. And has actually called for a, a quadrupling of the number of, uh, Of licensees, both for uh, uh, more retailers than cultivators, but providing a a decent amount, uh, looking to provide a decent amount of cultivators in there in order to meet that patient demand. Because one of the things that when you look at some of these these um, ATCs is that they're limited to only a couple strains because they just they will have them for a little bit, then they will sell out, and then it, it takes time for harvest to come back. And that is a huge challenge for patients who have epilepsy or chronic conditions that need, need, uh, you know, you know, medication in order to manage it.
1: And that report, uh, we'll put a link into the show notes, but it was just released by the state health department. Um, and it said that, uh, I think they needed at least 18 more growers and 44 more retailers to keep up the pace, uh, with patient access.
0: Which, which is also an absurdly low number on both sides. I mean, if you go to Colorado or you go to to Washington or any other state that have real historic robust um, programs, that's still an unbelievably low number, isn't it?
2: Oh, absolutely. But that, that's kind of the hallmark for for what we're what New Jersey has been with respect to cannabis. It's been compared to the. Way- West Coast, it's far more conservative, a lot and far tighter uh, regulation. I mean that uh, they have, you know, from from the get go. I mean, when when you just think about, take a step back and look at what it is the state is trying to do. So they're they're going through the process of trying to legalize a, a substance that's been historically prohibited for for decades, and then they're looking to create a highly rec- regulated industry from the get go and trying to. Think, try to think out in the statute all the regulations that might be required, and then at the same time looking to create an expungement process for removing the stain on, on people's criminal records. And oh, guess what? That's going to require a complete overhaul of our, our law enforcement record and court record system. I mean, it's a it's a really ambitious goal. So a lot of folks are are pretty you know definitely have raised an eyebrow of Are we trying to do too much too soon?
1: Well, we're, so we're both native New Jerseyans, and, um, and we've talked about that a lot before on the podcast. So that won't surprise anyone, but I live in LA where, um, you know, in a state that we just did this already. Um, and it's, it's for sure, far from perfect, but you know, we are in an active quote, cannabis commerce out here. And the attitude is so different towards cannabis that when I, I visit New Jersey or New York or just really anywhere on the East coast, I still get people kind of snickering that I'm in the business and not really taking it seriously. And, you know, uh, like, uh, you know, pointing and laughing, which, you know, sure, that's fine. But... <laughs> it has
0: nothing to do with you being in the <laughs> Maybe business. Maybe
1: it doesn't. Maybe I'm just taking it the wrong way. But, you know, as a reporter, you're out, you know, talking to, I assume, not just legislators, but actual, you know, people in the community. Do you get that as well?
2: You know, there there's a definite sense of frustration from when, when I talk to folks, when I go to conventions and shows and saying, all right, when's, when's this going to happen in New Jersey? When's it going to happen? Because everybody – the one of the views uh, is that when basically when one of the big East Coast states, whether it's New Jersey or New York, goes, that's that's the East Coast. It's going to create a domino effect for its its neighbors.
1: Uh, Everyone just knocked on wood
2: because of the yeah, because of the extent of the discussions that New Jersey has had and New York hasn't. That's why I whenever people are like, "Oh, is New York's going to be it? it's going to be first No, no, Pennsylvania is going to end up getting getting there. Well, they really haven't had the same amount of groundwork or discussions or negotiations that folks in New Jersey have been doing for basically over a two-year process right now. So we've got a bit of a lead time uh, with with respect to that. But that's not to say that New Jersey couldn't screw it up if they really <laughs> wanted to. Oh, we're <laughs>
0: screwing it up. Trust me. I mean, it's like it it's it it is. So you took or you were on that trip to to Nevada? La- was it last year or the year before? When the the legislators all the legislators all flew from New Jersey to see how Nevada was able to to transform their medical program into an adult use program, did did, did our guys not take notes?
2: They did, but you know, uh, and there were quite a few. You know, th- the problem is there is so much that really is uh, is out there, and there. The certain systems that would work in Nevada uh, wouldn't necessarily work out in New Jersey or were not embraced. Uh, I know one of the things that's been embraced in other states and especially in the West Coast, but hasn't been embraced in New Jersey is home grow. Uh, a lot of patients have been pushing for that because it would it would solve one of those problems of patient access, mm-hmm. but at least for, for certain folks, of uh, all right, they're able to grow their own cannabis, but then the state comes in with concerns because, well, how are they going to regulate it? How are they going to become the, uh, the garden police? Are they, or, but really I think it's, it's, you know, one of my suspicions is lost lost tax revenue as a result. Also, when, when you end up freeing up home grow, then you create, there, there is a gray market that ends up occurring because when it is, when possession becomes legal, it, it is then legal to transfer your possession in the form of a gift And what this ends up leading to is usually thinly veiled contemporaneous transactions. So buying an overpriced vape or an overpriced T-shirt and getting an eighth of bud at the same time.
0: I I still don't, I I still think that the the no home grow in in both New York and New Jersey was, I, I, I don't know if it was lobbied for, but, you know, the, 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 the bigger cannabis companies were not necessarily in favor of home grow as much as they could have been. Um, you know, how did that get put into the actual text? I mean, th- somebody gave them that language or, or lobbied on that issue. I mean, where where how did that? Ha- because you would think that uh, from a social justice and social equity perspective providing access to people who want to grow it at home so that they don't have to pay, especially in a state like New Jersey, you know, higher than black market um, uh, prices for product, you know, that that they would be in favor of it. But, but somebody snuck it in there.
2: Well, it's not that they stuck it in. They just didn't, they, they just left it out um, because there's just no, 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 Inclusion of saying, "Oh, we're going to allow allow for home grow," and you know there are a lot of there are quite a few interests that benefit from this uh, because again that comes down to restrict restricting access. Uh, So yeah, you know uh, unfortunately patients don't necessarily have and can't afford powerful Trenton lobbyists to uh, help get their point of view across to legislators. Slaters, but larger multi-state operators and, and the current ATCs, will they they certainly could ma- make their voices aware of that.
1: What's the uh, restriction for um, delivery in the state? Because if you're saying that I, you know, people can't have have home grow and there's there the the access. Um, is is lopsided in terms of you know there's six dispensaries now six to open up soon um you know to service this community that is so underserved <laughs> so- so- soon- ish. Is- nobody's put a so- shovel, in- okay. Nobody yeah. shovel in the ground yet. fair enough fair enough um i mean how do you um is so is delivery even an option there I, I i haven't done any research on it so i'm i'm kind of just lobbing that in at you sorry about that
2: and it, it one of the, yeah, well, that, that is something that they have taken into consideration. Yeah, so un, under the proposed licensing structure, that, that there there are about four classes of license for, like, the primary, like, involved in the leaf-touching transaction side. But also, uh, so it'll be cultivation, wholesaling, uh, which, from all intents, from everything that I understand, was lobbied for by the liquor industry, because they happen to know wholesaling quite a bit, Uh then processing, manufacturing, retail, uh, and then you have another one for lab testing. But under under retail, they're looking to provide basically uh, an ability for uh, delivery and transportation uh, of cannabis. So providing providing that ability now, whether that encompasses, uh, yeah, I'm sure that Ease had done quite a bit of lobbying on that because they, they were they were one of the big. Uh, uh, biggest uh, groups to lobby uh, over the past year in, in uh, New Jersey with respect to cannabis uh, lobbying, uh, but there's been a, a lot of talk about trying to get delivery because the way that our current uh, our, our current program is is that it, it is still very difficult for patients, especially those who have severe and intractable diseases, to get access. Uh, it take it might take you know over an hour or more for them to be able to get. To drive to one of the dispensaries, or to have their caregiver get to one of those dispensaries. So, you know, for you know, making somebody who's got some debilitating conditions have to go and, and go through that rigmarole on a very on a frequent basis, whether monthly or more, that's does not ease the restrictions that you could have that from their local pharmacy uh, having delivery service to them. Uh, so there has been there in the last iteration of the bill that I saw they had that they had delivery in there so we'll see where it goes when uh, when this comes back around again in May you
0: know from this conversation that we're having you sound almost like an advocate has your opinion about the 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 plant um, and the industry changed or how has your opinion about the plant and the industry changed as you've reported on it almost exclusively
2: I mean, I, I've seen you know, I, I've seen quite a few people who have, uh, and I've met quite a few people who, as a result of it who have been impacted, um, and you know, had their lives, you know, whether whether negatively or positively, but by this particular plant. I mean, when if if we're to be actually objective about it, then we have to look at it historically too. And the the fact of the matter is that this plant has been a part of human society for thousands of years um, if you look in old looking at anthropological data there there have been shown hemp cultivation sites at early early uh, human settlements so it's it, it it's been used and from what what we see in a variety of different writings it's been used uh, as a medicine uh, up to 5,000 years ago in China its medicinal benefits were known and you know now nowadays everybody's so blown away by this rediscovery of oh look look at all this these things that we can use it for well we have already knew it but it was just something that we forgot about because that, that that's what the propaganda uh of the war on drugs really really did i mean a lot of that can be credited to uh the especially the the anti mexican sentiment back in the 1930s that really uh started the uh, uh, the criminalization of cannabis. I,
1: I to continue on this. So, how did you get into this business? Then, so to, I guess talk to us a little bit about your cannabis journey. You've you've got a law degree, right? You know. I do. I do. Uh, I do. So, how did you? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> I'll
2: I'll tell you. Uh, the, the story is is that I, I I was at a crossroads myself. I had just gotten uh, my law degree. I didn't know. Whether I want to to stay and uh, report and uh, be a, continue being a reporter or to uh, spin off and go into law, uh, and I I ended up getting a new boss, a new news director coming in, uh, and he did a, a a chat with everybody saying, "What is something that we should be covering that we're not that we're not covering?" And this was on the heels of Murphy becoming the uh, uh, the governor. Uh, getting elected, but he hadn't yet been inaugurated. And I I just blurted out the first thing that came into my mind because I just said, oh, screw it. Just be honest. Uh, and it was, we should be covering the cannabis.
1: And so you were a full-fledged reporter at that time, though, for NJ.com? Oh, yeah. Okay.
2: Oh, yeah. I've been a reporter for about, oh, gosh, has it been about 10 years now?
1: Okay, so you went to law school while you were reporting full-time.
2: That's correct. Yes. Okay,
1: got it. And so what was the...
2: And And... And having a family too.
1: <laughs> oh, so you've been so you've been a little busy. Well, so what was your editor's response to that, or your publisher's response?
2: To- uh, well, the the news director's response was he 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 raised an eyebrow. He was obviously interested, and he wrote it down on his whiteboard. And then then uh, a few days later, hey hey, we want you to helm up this new project. And you know we, we that's when our conversations began to happen and take take formation as to what what would end up becoming uh, NJ Cannabis Insider. Uh, because that, you know, even from the very beginning, it was a question of, oh, well, do we want this to be weed? Do we want it to be marijuana? And m- my view then, as it is now, is that we should refer to it in the name of the plant. Um, because weed weed is slang. Weed is also, you know, uh, and it is longtime slang, but is very, very known, uh, very, very utilized. Uh, marijuana is, a, you know, it, it is also slang. It's a pejorative in some ways because it's... Mary Jane. Um, it, it gets back to a lot of the, those uh, anti-Mexican sentiment uh, that uh, was really fostered uh, de- decades earlier uh, when drumming up this fever pitch uh, against cannabis and the, specifically the people who use cannabis, who typically tend to be darker, or at least the uh, that's what it was led. A lot of folks were led to believe, as we know now, usage rates are about comparable between different groups.
1: And so, it, so you started can, NJ Cannabis Insider, which is awesome. And everyone should subscribe and actually pay for journalism. Um, so, and so we'll, we'll have, have a link. It in, is a, a way to
2: support channels. reporters. Yes, absolutely. Actually get Good she quality is. journalism. Yeah.
1: Um, and it allows you guys to really concentrate on, on one really important topic and, and really dive deep, which, um, you know, I appreciate. So, uh, but you've also branched off into a couple of events. So do you want to tell us about some of the live events you have coming up?
2: Sure, absolutely. Well, we, we our, our first event was back in October, and we did uh, a at that one. Uh, Senator uh, Nick Scutari ended up being the keynote, and we're actually doing another event uh, in, in a few days actually on April 3rd. Uh, and we have uh, uh, Hadley Ford, uh, the CEO of Ianthus, uh, will, will be there as our keynote, but we also have a, a real Quite, quite an amazing breadth of uh, power players uh, who who will be in attendance. Uh, Senator Scutari will be on a on a panel, as will a, uh, a veteran Democratic lobbyist uh, Brendan Gill, as will uh, it, 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 Bill Pascrell III uh, with uh, Princeton Public Affairs uh, Group, uh, B- uh, Bill Caruso, another a well known person in the cannabis space with Archer uh, Public Affairs. Uh, as well as the New Jersey Cannabis Industry Association uh, and the New Jersey Cannabis Business Association, so two different trade groups in the New Jersey cannabis space. Again, they're gonna we are gonna have representation from both of them at uh, on our uh, panels. And it's a uh, honestly it, it, one of the things I really love doing about these events is I, I look at it as a, as an, not an opportunity so much to do a panel discussion that can. Maybe bore people to tears, but a way to have a a bunch of people have a an engaging conversation with an audience and really get to uh, explore questions that that folks may not have fully articulated yet.
0: As a journalist, you're selling stories the same way that and and I as PR people sell stories, you sell them to your your editors have they nagged or have spiked a story of yours that you went to them? You just got it wrong. This was a story and you guys missed it.
2: I have never uh, in doing NJ cannabis insider. I've never had a story spiked. I've never had any, anything like that. They, uh, we have a very good trust relationship and they, uh, on both sides of the, uh, of the relationship. We, we really trust each other's news sense. So, uh, we haven't had anything like that. And, we're typically right, right about, right ahead of the, the the breaking news wave, or uh, just there as as it's happening.
1: Do you have your other colleagues kind of looking at you, and and because it is, it's covered in the business columns as well. So are they coming to you, kind of, you know, checking their facts and making sure they have everything right? Have you become the resident cannabis expert?
2: Yeah, you know, I I am one of them because uh, that's also my my colleague Peyton's beat as well. He's the so I, I my my one hundred percent beat is devoted to our our uh, trade magazine, the NJ Cannabis Insider. But Peyton is also uh, he's the reporter for uh, for our general audience in, in the Ledger as well. So both of us frequently get emailed by a lot of the same people at trying to get all the info that we can uh, that that we can you know provide to them on uh, you know issues that they may be facing, and a lot of it comes down too to, to uh, like some of the info that we have on NJ Cannabis Insider, like our our map that shows uh, where various municipalities stand with respect to cannabis legal- legalization, as well as our legislative vote tracker. Oh which- my god, I
1: use that all the time. I'm just always going to it. <laughs>
0: huh. Let's 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 be handicappers for a second. Imagine we're we're at the Meadowlands watching the trotters. Um, There's going to be, be like that-
1: seven people who understand what that is, but that's okay.
0: That's okay. They're all from New Jersey. Um, so we're at the, we're at the racetrack and you've got your betting form in hand. Are you betting that this gets done, that, that we get adult use legislation done, um, this legislative session or are we waiting another year?
2: Well, so I think that, I think that they could get it done by May, if, if, you know, depending upon (laughs) what they're able to do, uh, you know the problem. One of the challenges is that every deadline that, that the government has set for itself, it's blown through. Uh, but each time, it's been you know uh, it's scooched forward a tick closer. Uh, so if it could be in May, uh, but if, if it's not, then it's going to get pushed until probably November in, in the lame duck session. But even if uh, even if it gets through in May, it's not all right. Turn on the turn on the faucet, and cannabis is pouring out to to everyone in New Jersey. I mean, there's still going to be there's going to be time before the law law goes into effect. And then there's going to be another about an 18 month lag time from that point until new new licensees will end up being able to vertically integrate and really be a, you know, a threat to the current operators uh, who already have licensing. So there's a, a, a year and a half sort of. So that was
0: that was process. That was process. If you're placing a bet right now, are you betting this gets done or no?
2: I'm betting that it gets done. Uh, I, I, I'm not. I'm not saying when it's going to get done, but I, I, New Jersey is going to. I, I suspect it's. Yeah, and, and based on everything that I've seen and every in all the folks that I've talked to, uh, there there is real movement forward on this, and it it, it is just a matter of when.
0: Are there going to be any Republicans that vote for this that are going to surprise us?
2: Are there uh, that are going to surprise you? I don't know if yeah. they're going to surprise you, but I mean, you know, Declan, Declan has he, he clarified his position recently on the Senate Republicans uh, uh, page because he has you know, he would he could very easily be convinced to vote, but they have to do a few things to to his satisfaction and not unreasonable things like making sure that the revenue generated is going into particular uh, parts of of the budget. But some of that comes down to budgetary issues that folks will be hashing out. There are other there are other Republicans who might might be convinced to to come on board. Uh, A lot of folks have looked
0: any chance that Tom what about Tom Kane? Can we get him?
2: Tom Kane Jr. I don't know about that one. Uh, I, I I do know that he that during the walk to Washington he was at at an uh, an event and he was being lobbied at by at least a couple different cannabis lobbyists while while there. I don't know whether he, whether he himself will go will go out to bat, but I don't think he'll stand in the way of other Republicans looking to do so.
0: I've I've spoken to him directly um, about this. He's a tough nut to crack, man. He is not he you know, he is not one who I just don't I I don't understand the especially in a, a, an urban and suburban state like ours, where the impact of the war on drugs has been so dramatic, how people can be so intransigent about this. It's it's I just don't get it.
1: What is his specific hang up?
0: <laughs> uh, you're gonna have to ask him that. I can't go. I'm not okay. gonna delve into the okay. mind of Tom Kane Jr.
2: Um, I mean, a, a lot of it. You know, the the way you know, we we did a Reddit, uh, Peyton and I both did a Reddit AMA uh, last week after after the the vote that wasn't. And you know, the, in in my mind, there were there were you know a few factors that really scuttled the vote. Is that generational divide we spoke of? Just older legislators who know. They are not not going to be swayed. You can't, if you've ever tried to convince your grandpa of something that that uh, was one way and and he thought it was another. Well, good luck to you trying to change his mind. Uh, but the other one is there are folks in tough re-election areas that might be evenly divided. So despite the fact that there's uh, from what we've seen in the polling, there's a, a general a general broad uh, you know uh, majority. Uh, in favor of legalization in New Jersey and some of these evenly divided red blue districts. Well, you're going to, that's where you have legislators definitely, you know, sitting on the fence and waiting to see, you know, what they can get out of uh, their vote, you know, with respect to uh, deals with the legislative leadership.
0: Okay. Um, We've taken a lot of your time, but we have one more question. Right, you're a member. You're a member of the media, and what we normally ask a member of the media is, what is the most underreported story um, that is going on in cannabis? That's what we ask our our other guests. But since you are the guy who is writing all of this stuff, is there a story that you haven't done yet that you're dying to sink, sink your teeth into? What is the story that? You know, we'll see coming up in the next couple of weeks or months from you um, that you're just going to be really meaty.
2: Uh, I mean, for for me, I would say just be. Uh, I would love to. Uh, pardon me uh, more being done about uh, medical research into cannabis. Uh, it, it is one of the most one of the things that we keep seeing uh, from various studies coming out there is that there's a. A heck of a lot that we don't know just because the federal prohibition on, on cannabis has limited researchers ability to actually in, investigate this And there are a variety of different operators out there who have been doing who have been doing research but haven't necessarily had the same sorts of uh, press really playing up to it. Um, we've seen you know there there are certain cannabinoids that appear to have uh, uh, the ability to impact tumor cell growth, uh, limiting it or, or restricting it. There are other, other aspects that have been shown to have the effects on, on inflammation. So seeing that sort of actual hard science investigation into it is something I would love to see, because there's, especially right now, as regulation is just kind of uh, quite nebulous and, and still still forming, uh, you have a lot of hokum, uh, flimflam, and snake oil out there, especially when it comes to stuff like CBD, so getting, getting those stories of hard science of what what cannabis can do and what it can't do, I, I think it's something that we is really needed in the space.
1: Justin Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll put links into the show notes, but can you tell our listeners where they can find you? website, Twitter, email, whatever you want to plug. Favorite coffee store.
2: <laughs> you can, I mean, you can find me online at uh, njcannabisinsider.biz. Uh, I'm also available on Twitter at justin n j. Uh, and you can you' you'll be able to get access to my email through either either one of those, and I'm, I'm reachable to make myself uh, as reachable as possible uh, to the public.
1: Great. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much. Our thanks again to Justin Zaremba, the editor of New Jersey Cannabis Insider. Check them out at NJ Cannabis Insider. And if you don't subscribe to it, you really should. We all have to pay for good journalism. You can also check out Justin on Twitter at NJ To chat with us, you can email us at GreenRush at KCSA.com or you can find us on Twitter at the underscore GreenRush and on it, forget it, just just find us on Instagram. It's not a problem. We're at the GreenRush underscore podcast. That is one take, Shay. One take.